0: Just after her session at PIMFA's annual summit, I caught up with Julie Pardee, WorkSmart's Director of Regulation and Market Engagement, to reflect on the questions posed by the audience on SMCR and her own thoughts on how firms can overcome the challenges of implementing SMCR. So let's get to it. Thank you, Julie, for joining us on this podcast and really interesting session at the PIMFA annual summit. Do you just want to summarize some of the key points from your colleagues' and yourself's presentation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the purpose of the session really was just to talk to all the senior leaders in the room and with only with less than 50 days to go to the regime going live, it was all about thinking about the takeaways that they could take back into the office and just really check to make sure that them and their teams are on track. So we talked about things like ownership and accountability. So going forward when the regime goes live, are they clear as to who will own the responsibility for the management of the regime within their mm-hmm. organisation? because there are so many different component parts. Then we talked about cooperation and looking at the way that the project teams work and being sure that they have collaboration between risk, compliance, HR, legal, and that all of those functions are working together for an effective implementation. And then finally, really, we were talking about consistency of approach. So understanding what's happening, making sure that data is available so that those senior leaders are clear as to whether they are complying with the regime
0: or not? One of the biggest issues uh, in 2020 for organisations that have got over the 9th of December is certifying that people are fit and proper for their roles. Any guidance for firms who are looking at that daunting task in 2020 to... (laughs) to make sure that they certify them appropriately?
1: Yeah, Okay. So there's a lot of component parts to that that firms should be thinking about. And I think that one of the biggest pieces of advice that the banking community would give them is to actually do a trial run. So whatever their certification regime is going to look like and whoever is going to be involved in it, plan in, in the project planner that maybe in quarter two this year, they take mm. a handful of the people, so it doesn't matter whether they need to certify 50 people or 500, take mm. a percentage of that community and say, OK, based on the here and now, let's see if we could actually certify them and whether our processes would run. Mm. So that's probably the first thing that I would say. The second thing I would say is very early on, what does F&P look like in their organisation? Because remember that actually it's up to the firm, certification and what's contained within it is what they want to, to put in it. So does certification include... All of the TNC scheme output, CPD records, e learning records, performance appraisal, and is certification the wrapper that then says, right, I've checked all of these things, they're all indicators of competence, and therefore I need to draw that together with all of my financial assessments, such as credit checks or any criminal records checks that a firm chooses to do. And then lastly, bring in conduct and has conduct been appropriate. Mm. So for the firm very early on to decide what they believe is the indicators of competence. competence. Competence are, but then actually work out so where is that data and how do I get that data to the people that are going to make the decision? And actually, who is going to make that decision? So, are the line managers going to certify their people? Probably not. Mm -hmm. They'll probably gather the evidence, but who's going to be involved in that chain? So, is it a collaborative and collegiate approach whereby a manager gathers evidence? of competence and then pushes that up the line and HR get involved or compliance or risk. So I think there's a lot of thinking that the firm has got to do before they do anything in terms of action. And they might want to think about that as their key quarter one task.
0: I noticed from the audience that there's a question about unintended consequences of implementing SMCR. Any viewpoints or guidance for firms about the unintended consequences, good and bad, of SMCR?
1: Um, Lots of really good things, Mm. lots of things that maybe weren't thought about. So if we think about the positive things, without a shadow of a doubt, every single one of the banks that we've worked with would say that having to review their governance arrangements and possibly realign things has been good and that they are better governed, there is more accountability and there is more clarity. Mm. So absolute number one, that is positive, but that's, I suppose, not unintended, expected, Mm. but did we think we'd get there? Yes, Mm. Um, The second thing is the HR experts that have worked on SMCR don't necessarily tend to be regulatory experts. And that's been really challenging for firms, that they've been challenged with having the right resource at the right time. Unintended consequences. What people have done, and this is a typical human behaviour, with certification to be sure that they're doing it right and they've got the right people my experience is they include many more people than really meet the definitions of what the regulator was looking for. And the unintended consequence of that is twofold. One, you've got higher standards of entry, so you've got greater onus on the HR teams when they're onboarding people. Mm. And secondly, you might be giving yourself a disadvantage in the job market because you might be recruiting and expecting people to meet higher standards than maybe your competitors do. So that's not mm. always a great thing. And the other thing that I think came out of it latterly was that when SMCR started, we had the concept that the FCA would have the FCA register, Mm. but that would completely um, cover just the people where regulatory pre-approval was required latterly what came out was that there was a real push to say hold on a moment a lot of the people that used to be on the register won't be there at all anymore and then firms won't be able to track and check those people as they have mm. their career so i think an unintended consequence is this um, evolving of a requirement to have a directory and the requirements are relatively onerous in terms of providing detail to the regular and then very very real-time updates when changes happen
0: so julie uh Good or bad thing, FCA's directory, and are firms prepared for the directory?
1: I think in terms of what it replaces, it fills that gap where you had previously CF30s that Mm. were on the FCA register that no longer will be, and organisations used to use that when they were recruiting people to track their history in financial services. So I think not having that Is not great. So the directory is good from that perspective. I think, however, it's a big overhead on firms. And the Mm. real thing that clients are telling us they're really worried about is that you do an initial data load, which has lots of elements to it. And then, whenever there's a change to that data, you have to update the register within seven working days. And bearing in mind that the data that they're looking for is not necessarily data that a firm would all keep in one place and would specifically record against an individual, because it will say, for example, you've got to say if the person is a member of a professional body, mm. if it's relevant to qualifications, and then you've got to say the methodology by which they give advice. So if it's, is it online? Is it face-to-face? Is it over the phone? And you wouldn't necessarily, as a firm, record that type of stuff against an individual, probably in any type of system, certainly Mm. not in an HR system. So there's elements of that that are being asked for that means that firms are going to have to change the data that they actually collect in order to be able to push it back out to the regulator. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's another big requirement of firms.
0: And it's another reason why firms do really need a system.
1: Absolutely. Now, you know, we're bound to say that being a solution provider. But when you start to think about all of the moving parts of Mm. SMCR and this association, that it doesn't really matter if you're a core firm or an enhanced firm. The fact is that you've constantly got to keep everything up to date, even if you don't have to submit it. And you need something to alert you when changes happen. And it means that you need to do something or recalibrate something. Mm. And actually, an Excel spreadsheet isn't going to tell you that, nor is a Mm. paper folder.
0: No. Your colleague Emma raised the important question of making sure that conduct rules training is not a training that you just do once.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, it was a brand new regime a few years ago. The banks, to be fair, had to implement it in a really short time. The rules were, final rules were still being made as they were implementing. They were really challenged to do that. And many parts of it, of which all the reports tell you have been done very well, but one of the areas where we know that the regulator's concerned is around that training. Mm. And I think there's two elements to it. First of all, that that conduct rules training can't just be, well, here's the tier one conduct rules and this is what they are. Mm. It needs to be relevant to the individual and translated into their day-to-day operations so that they can understand what it really means to overstep those. And the second thing where we've seen firms telling us they've had issues is where they align the conduct rules training to their own internal standards of behaviour as opposed to align them to the standards of behaviour and how that then correlates to the conduct rules. Mm. And I absolutely agree with Emma. This is not a one-time, this is a, you know... The regime is coming in, this is what the regime is all about and this is what it's trying to achieve. And then there is ongoing and regular personal training that is probably case study driven that helps people understand what it means to you know, transgress those conduct rules in the sense of a particular role or a function type within a firm.
0: From a senior manager's point of view, what is the expectations of a board or the exec? on the MI that they are looking for from a software provider or software solution.
1: It's not something that people tend to come with us, to us, with saying, right, the start of the project is we've got 10 MI requirements as a result of SMCR and we need to work our way back to see if a solution covers those. Mm. What they tend to do is look at what are all of the component parts that we need to manage in order to comply and then how do I extract that data so that I can report Mm. against it but I think maybe there's been less thought on the long-term MI and more on the short-term project mm. reporting. So, yeah. for example, what I mean by that is that if you're in a BAU, an SMCR applies to you, and, for example, you're an enhanced firm, then every time you have a substantive change, you're going to have to update your MRM, and you're potentially obviously updating a statement of responsibility, prescribed responsibility allocations or something that's happened in your governance arrangements in order Mm. to trigger that. But how do you know Mm. to make that change and therefore what data do you want is not a question that we're asked very often. And the challenge is, I think, is that you've got an HR system in one part of the business. You might have some governance Recording going on in another part of the business. Mm. And because SMCR doesn't naturally sit in one function within a firm, I'm not sure people are getting a holistic view. An area where it is easy, I think, is around certification and conduct rules. And that is how many people have I got to certify? What categories do they sit Mm. in? How do I evidence their competence in relation to those? And where am I on the trail, Mm. you know, from start to finish? That's relatively easy. And I think people have done a lot Mm. of thinking about that. And with conduct rules, the same, you know, who's breaching and what are they breaching for and does it look like it's consistent across Mm. the piece? But I think firms need to do more thinking about, so when, for example, a firm maybe acquires another firm or they've got a huge project or they've got a a reorganisation going on, what is the SMCR impact and therefore what's the reportable changes and therefore what's all the data and documentation that needs to be amended as a result of it?
0: Final question for me on this. I know you've got to dash back to the summit. So, top tips, suggestions with less than two months to go um, on that? Is it less than two months? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, to, um, for firms, um, what are their last acts to get over that 9th of December deadline?
1: first one, absolutely obvious one, the firms have got to, regardless of whether you're core or you're, you're enhanced, you have got to have some interaction with the regulator. Mm. You've got until the 24th of November to upload your information to Connect. Mm. So if you're a core firm, you need to put in some conversion paperwork and if you're an enhanced firm, you're going to be putting in your MRM and your statements of responsibility. So just make sure you're on track to have those submissions. I know there were challenges with the banking sector. Yes, there um. were they went through and there was a lack of system availability to make those Mm. uploads in the latter days so do it sooner rather than later resource for next year have you got the right resource in the right areas of your business and lastly do people understand what they are accountable for not in terms of i'm a senior manager i've got a statement of responsibility and i've got these accountabilities they'll know that Mm. because that'd be a part of the project But all of the people that are the operational people that will be running all of the component parts, is everybody clear on what their responsibilities are and what is expected of them and what data they're expected to produce and push upwards?
0: Thank you very much indeed, Julie. Thank you very much for your time. I'll let you go back to the summit. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Keep up to date with all the regulatory issues like SMCR by visiting PINFER's own library of podcasts and webinars now available on the PINFER website, pinfer.co.uk. You can also download for free your own SMCR project planner from WorkSmart's website, worksmart.co.uk.